0: Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's a joy, once again, to come into your homes, perhaps in your uh, church, perhaps in your cell group meeting, and that to share God's Word with you. Yesterday morning, I woke up and I said to the Lord, Lord, what can I do today for you and with you? And whether it was the Lord or not, I'm not sure, but you can judge, and I just felt in my heart, and that, I mean my spirit, that I should do something about the Trinity, and I said, yes, I will do a short, short essay on the Trinity, and um, even as I pondered on that and began to write yesterday and early this morning, Instead of being a short essay, it's going to end up <laughs> uh, quite, a, quite a few chapters, and I'm glad for this. However, Ian and I thought it'd be good that we just break away from the series, What is in Your Hand, and to bring you something fresh again. Well, probably in two or three weeks' time, we'll get back to What's in Your Hand, but we want to do the teaching on the Trinity. So without further ado, let's read the Scripture. If you have your Bibles there, quickly get it. Take your time. Take your time and get your Bibles. Take your time and hurry up now. Um, 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Let me reiterate one of my famous words, eh? For there are three that bear record in heaven, in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Let's pray. Father, Your Word is true. For it's and amen in Christ Jesus. As Father, I minister Your Word today. Give me understanding. Use me by the power and the anointing of the Spirit. I thank You that I'm filled with the Spirit. But I ask you now that the spirit of God will flow from me and all those people that will see and hear the video and the audio, that God you will bless them and bring them clarity that God they might share the truth of the triune Godhead. Bless Ian and myself now. We pray for Carlos that's still coming, oh God, to complete the Spanish website. Give him safe traveling mercies, we pray. Remember Mrs. D at work, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all the hearers and those that see it, that is the video that God you will bless them, their families and their churches. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The doctrine of the Trinity. Chapter 1, the origin of the word Trinity. Who of us can explain the mystery of the Trinity? Praise God, I do believe in the Trinity but can I really comprehend it? It is way beyond our human comprehension. Some go as far as saying the mere fact that the word Trinity is not recorded in Holy Scripture is evidence enough for us to discredit it. Now, a few Christian denominations strongly teach that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are but manifestations of god by and large the majority of the body of christ accepts the belief in the trinity although no one can fully explain the doctrine of the trinity to my amazement i discovered the opening statement of the old testament coupled with genesis 1 26, is a clear cut revelation of the triune Godhead in the original language and that being hebrew of the Old Testament, the word Elohim is used. And to my surprise, I discovered this was the plural form of God. And no doubt there is definite confirmation to this fact as we consider Genesis 1:26. What does the word say? Let us create man in our image and likeness. The plural form is evidently clear, which no doubt sets forth the doctrine of the trinity in simple terms what i'm saying is this the, the revelation of the triune godhead is found in the first statement of the bible in the beginning elohim plural so that is that that, that is outstanding you know the bible says he that cometh to god must believe that he is but it's just not believing uh, in the fact that God is, we also have to believe in the triune Godhead as well, because the opening statement is evidently clear: Elohim, gods. Amen. Now, perhaps the one scriptural verse that creates, creates doubt of the validity of the Trinity is recorded in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Now, hear the word: Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. However, doing a word study of one, and that using the Strong's Concordance number 259, much light is shed on the true meaning of one, and that being in the context of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. The Hebrew word for one is Egat, Echad, I can't pronounce it, I it for you, E C H A D. And it is very interesting and even exciting to know the explanation in the Strong's Concordance. And here follows the explanation. A numeral from 258, properly united, that is one, or as an ordinal, first, a, alike, alone, all together, and anything a piece, a certain daily each one. Plus eleven, every few first are a man once one only other some together. Words that stand out are united, alike, altogether, each one. Furthermore, concerning two five eight, much light like is shed on the word one, and that is doing. A study on 258, um, it teaches it perhaps the primitive route to unify, that is figuratively collect one's thoughts go one way or other. These strong concordance words are powerful. The original language gives its genuine meaning. <coughs> no doubt, we conclude that in the context of Deuteronomy 6.4, the study of the hebrew words it is evidently clear that one speaks of unity and not singleness i want to repeat that one speaks of unity and not singleness sometimes just being simple-minded helps us to see the truth of any matter now me being simple-minded let me ask the question can a person be united with himself or herself? Let me ask that question again. It's a powerful question. Being simple-minded, let me ask the question, can a person be united with himself or herself? A simple-minded answer is absolutely no. We are united with another person or persons, not with ourselves. Let me cite the classic example of unity. The true essence of oneness. God personally says in his unadulterated word, that two are one. Listen to the word of God. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And what does it mean there? A united flesh. See also Matthew nineteen fifteen, Mark 10, verse 6 to 8, 1 Corinthians 6, 16, and Ephesians 5, 31. It is dogmatically clear from the above-mentioned scriptures that a man and a wife in the sight of the Most High God are one. They are united. To my thinking, this is the ultimate analogy of the Triune Godhead. I must concede Husband and wife are only two persons. Once in the doctrine of the Trinity, once in the doctrine of the Trinity, there are three persons. My point is this. Be it that two can be one, and that human beings, how so much more can there be three and be one, and that being God? Are not all things possible with God? Do you grasp that? Two different genders are one, and that's concerning human beings. Now, if that's possible with human beings, a man and a woman being married and become united as one, how so much more can that take place with God? Three being one. All things are possible with God, are they not? There are also those scholars who and may I add, of various religious persuasions, who strongly advocate the fact that the only apostle that promoted the doctrine of the Trinity was the Apostle Paul. I, personally, and may I add, the Word of God, totally disagrees with this. The Apostle John, in his epistle, gives a clear-cut teaching on the Trinity, though the term Trinity is not mentioned. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. It is exciting, interesting to note, though the word Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible Scripture, however, we have to note the word three. What I'm about to say and write may probably not mean much to those who deny the Trinity. However, those who believe and advocate the doctrine see much in the word three, for the simple fact that number three is plural and not singular. Remember the word said, there are three that bear witness in heaven. One of the many principles of hermeneutics which governs interpretation is the linguistic principle. This simply teaches if one wants to discover the genuine meaning of certain words in Scripture, we have to consider the original language in which the Scriptures were written. Amen? You grasp that? We are all well aware the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, whereas the New Testament was written in Greek. The linguistic principle goes to the original words and discovers the genuine genuine meaning of the original word. It is often said that much is lost in translation, and therefore it is essential that we constantly practice the linguistic principle when unsure. We all agree that the word Trinity does not appear in the Holy Scriptures, However, using the science of oh, I can't even pronounce the word. Etymology. How do you pronounce it here? Etymology. Etymology, etymology right. yeah, the, the word. The word three is derived from the Latin word trinitas. T-R-I-N-I-T-A-S. From whence we derive the word three and trinity. I want to repeat myself. Amen. Turnitas, T R I N I T A S, from whence we derive the word, the English word, three and Trinity. Furthermore, when we do a word study on the word three of 1 John 5 7, the Greek denotes the original word, and that being T R E I S, which when translated, we derive the word three and trinity. This beyond doubt gives us the understanding that we do concede to the fact that the word trinity does not appear in our English translations of the Holy Bible. However, with great delight, it is from the original Latin word trinitas and the Greek Bible word thrace that we derive the word three and trinity. And therefore, Without hesitation, we must conclude the doctrine of the Trinity is authentically scriptural and is not the product of man's personal interpretation. How did we do that? By the study of hermeneutics. Amen? We use the linguistic principle. And one day I'm going to teach you how that Jesus himself, Allowed himself, although the word himself had that in his manhood, he allowed himself to be governed by principles of hermeneutics. And if Jesus followed the principles of hermeneutics, how so much you and I follow the principles of hermeneutics? Words to me are very powerful. In fact, God created the heaven and the earth by the power of his word. And I am of the persuasion that truth is established by no other means but by the creative word of God. Throughout the Holy Scriptures, the doctrine of the Trinity is highlighted, whether directly or indirectly. I must admit, it is not my purpose to prove the validity of the doctrine of the Trinity, for the simple fact, truth, does not need defense, it only requires declaration. And those words, those famous words, were said by my pastor, Apostle Edwin Gray of Open Door Assemblies, Durban and South Africa. It is with this profound truth that my pastor taught me that I present the short thesis on the validity of the doctrine of the Trinity. Before I close this chapter, one more important thought. Once again, a word study and to my thinking really seals the validity of the doctrine of the Trinity. The abstract noun of Trinitas is trinus, T R I N U S, which simply means three again, which simply means three each and threefold. What a statement. Okay, chapter two. The doctrine of the Trinity. Amen. We're going to close there and we will do chapter 2 in no time. God bless you and please view this video and we will start chapter 2 almost immediately. God bless you.